Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jarrett Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. On this week's episode, I am joined by the designer, educator, writer, and researcher, Paul Bailey. Paul is currently the course leader for the MA Graphic Media Design Program at the London College of Communication, an advisor at the Jan van Eyck Academy, and is a founding member of the Design Displacement Group. His current research interests include modes of writing in and around design and the forms of delivery and reception. In this conversation, Paul and I talk about how he began his expanded practice that ranges from exhibitions, publications, performances, workshops, and writing, as well as his work at the London College of Communication and how he thinks about teaching and how the roles of design research and writing influence that program. I think Paul has a really interesting and unique practice, and I was especially curious to hear about how it's evolved and how it influences his work in the classroom. This was a a really fascinating conversation. If you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it, you can become a member for $5 a month or $50 a year. Members get an exclusive monthly newsletter that I think of as the sort of director's commentary for the podcast. Each month I share additional content, episode previews, and short essays related to the themes of the podcast. These memberships really help keep scratching the surface going, and I just really appreciate all of your support and hope that you enjoy this conversation with Paul Bailey. I think it'd be really helpful to just start with a little bit of your background and how you got interested in design or where design uh, came into your life and kind of how you got started on this career that you've had. Um, So um, I'm Irish. I I grew up in Ireland, in the middle of Ireland, a place called Roscommon, to farming parents with uh, brothers and sisters who are be involved with different types of trades, so some carpenters, some builders, um, mechanics, electricians, um, architect, interior architects. So I suppose it's, um, I've been arguing, well, I can go back to that a little bit later on, but I think it's something that in our family that we're kind of always quite practical, hands-on and engaged with kind of uh, being producers in our in our working lives. Um, but I began my studies at the uh, Limerick School of Art and Design okay. uh, in communication, no, visual communication it was called, I did a BA there and I found myself there just to a series of interesting, um, I suppose, coincidences or happenings where whilst I was studying in school at, uh, for my leaving cert in um, Roscommon, I was, we were asked to do this exam where we just, it was kind of one of these um, Exams that tested your aptitude for different things. Oh yeah. And then shortly afterwards, you were invited to a meeting with a career counselor, a guidance counselor, mm-hmm. and yeah, she reviewed the my aptitudes for, uh, at that time, and she asked me if I've ever heard about this thing called graphic design. <laughs> and I was like, no, absolutely not. Um, what what might that be, and what could that be? And she she told me a little bit about it, and. Um, I didn't really think much about it at that time. I was like, that's kind of interesting. And then following my leaving search, which is our, our final major exam when you finish secondary school, so like maybe like your high school. Okay, yeah. It's exams you do before you move on to university. Um, I decided that I, I would go to art college um, with, yeah, with a group of friends who actually headed in that direction too. 
Um, and then I found myself in Limerick. And then the, first, the way that art college is organized or was organized was that it would run for four years. And then your first year, you would encounter many different disciplines and practices. Right. And it was through that then that I, I began to hear about graphic design again. Mm-hmm. And, and then, yeah, there was a visual communications department. And I chose to specialize in that field. So you actually went to college not thinking about graphic design necessarily, even though you had taken that test in the counselor said, hey, this is something you might be good at. You kind of went more just general art yeah, and visual yeah. things. Yeah, I'd like, um, <coughs> before I went to art college, I spent some time at, in Galway, um, Galway okay. City, the west coast of Ireland, um, developing a portfolio uh, with the, in a small place called GMIT. And um, I did come up there again, actually. There was discussions about <laughs> design and I was like that's interesting but I also was surrounded by an amazing bunch of painters and uh, sculptors and people making performances and I was equally intrigued in those practices as much as I was yeah, thinking about what it might mean to be a graphic designer um, so that's when I did arrive in Limerick I welcomed this one year of exploration and yeah. three different um, expertise and disciplines and tools and ideas but I had then decided, yeah, I was kind of toying. I was always, I was doing uh, visual communication exercises in the sculpture department because many of my friends were there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that has a quite a formative effect on the way that I've been thinking about um, what could be determined and expanded uh, definition of what graphic design Yeah, be. I want to, that sets up so much of what I want to talk about. And I, I want to go into that a little bit more, but I have one other question just to kind of t- tie this up before we talk about that. Um, can you talk about, or do you have any sense even of what it was about graphic design when you were that age that really grabbed you while, even though you were doing paintings and sculptures and all of this other stuff and that you were, you know, you took this test that recommended graphic design. What was it about graphic design that kind of connected with you? Do you think? I think the thing that um, coaxed me to explore it throughout my degree was um, a concern for language and like the written word and the way the written word um, formulates its meaning through the way it's composed, mm-hmm. uh, much in the way that it's wrote, but also in the way that um, we might typeset or we might then produce it through different media and means and forms. And, and, all, and even then, I was quite interested in thinking about where the designer's contribution to the understanding of that text concludes or begins. And I was often thinking about when we produce these things, how are they distributed and made public, uh, even very, very early on. And I think I saw maybe in graphic, as a graphic designer, I would have an opportunity to step into that um, discussion um, in many moments. Yeah, more than I could at that time imagine. I'd like I was so excited about sculpture, but I, um, yeah, I, I, I suppose I didn't have such a a clear read of what it was. Whereas I think yeah, graphic design as a practice oh, is that's much interesting. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's, for me well, at that time anyway, for me it was much more legible. And yeah, and there was also a great department that was really um, yeah, it was, it was it was easy to kind of feel. <laughs> myself there there was a really strong team i'd seen amazing graduates come through there um it was yeah so i think i I was kind of fortunate with 
as I knew it'd be an exciting space to be, and I knew it'd have to play space to kind of test and expand and explore. I mean, you mentioned, you know, you had mentioned earlier about how that kind of early education has shaped what you think graphic design is or what graphic design could be and kind of, you know, maybe pushing those boundaries a little bit or kind of questioning what what we traditionally think of as graphic design. And that's something that I'm very interested in. That's something that comes up on the podcast all the time in a lot of ways. I think that's why I went back to graduate school was because I started to kind of feel like what I was taught graphic design was wasn't sufficient for what I wanted to do anymore. And I wanted to see if that term still worked for what I called myself and the work that I wanted to do. Um, could you talk, I don't know if I have a question in, in other than I would love for you to talk more about that, but maybe connecting that to your, your early education, what was, how was graphic design presented to you and how did you start to think about the other forms or the other mediums or the other kind of ways of practice? I think, um, the model of, um, teaching at the Limerick School of Art and Design um, was essentially that we had a studio and all three years would be in the studio with the final year having a desk space that they could really sit and reside within. Mm. Um, We were introduced, like typography was a very uh, big concern for the department. Mm -hmm. Um, So we spent quite a bit of time exploring the kind of technicalities and the histories and the canon of topography. Um, but then we're also opened up, you know, a lot of space to kind of, ex- you know, think about what it isn't and what haven't we seen and where um, do our identities contribute to that or how could mm. they? Um, and yeah, I think, um, I suppose having this kind of open like studio model, um, that was kind of common across the departments. So whilst I would have a desk space in a visual communication department, like I said, I would often go and you know, spend a lot of time upstairs with the painters or spend a lot of time in the sculpture studio. So when we were given briefs, I think I was always quite interested in, well, not that concerned about the fact that this needs to look like graphic design. Yeah. I was always kind of informed by a way of thinking graphically. And, um, and by that, I mean, you know, they were very interested at that time in you know, thinking about how do you problem solve, how do you kind of right. conceptualize, how do you, like right. the traditional things that we would see in most yeah. graphic designs. But um, I don't know, maybe I was just a very um, influenced by the communities that I was socializing with them as much as the community who were my peer group within my subject. And yeah, and so I, how has that been formative? Um, let me phrase it a different way or try to be a little more specific. Cause as you're talking, I'm, I'm just thinking about your career and the work you've done and that you, you have done work that I don't mean to be so, I don't mean for this to sound so like I'm putting borders around things, but you've done things that would be tr- considered traditional graphic design, but you've also, you're also teaching, you've done um, kind of writing projects, you've done kind of more curatorial projects, kind of performance-based things, all of these things that maybe we don't consider graphic design, but they all seem to come from the same place for you. It doesn't seem like you're jumping around. It seems like a really coherent body of work. And I'm kind of wondering maybe how you think about that and how that 
hanging with the painters, hanging with the sculptures, kind of studying typography. How did all those things kind of come together that you could build this type of career? You know, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think um, it's been a quite an intuitive approach. Okay. Honest. I think that, um, I had an interest and um, I can certainly have followed that and I've, I suppose, been lucky to, yeah, again, surround myself with communities who are kind of interested in exploring their practices and sharing them and mm-hmm. uh, looking at uh, ideas of exchange through practice. Um, but I would say, like, a, yeah, like, I moved from Ireland, I moved up to London, where I'm based now, um, to complete my MA at Central St. Martins. And I, then I had a number of years, about five years after that, where I'd begun teaching. And I was yeah. becoming really interested in the design of um, pedagogy, design of design education. Um, and it was involved in really interesting programs. Um, uh, but then I did take a moment to say, look, I'm kind of taking on these commissions. I'm um, exploring these ideas of um, design pedagogy. Uh, I'm starting to conduct or extend some of my own independent research. It would be helpful to stick with this for a minute. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, um, I applied to conduct a, res- a residency at the Jan van Eyck Academy in the Netherlands. Okay, yeah. And that was the first time I really ever had a studio. But, and it was also, again, within a fascinating uh, group of people. And it was there I began to understand that, um, yeah, whilst my outputs may vary uh, like across media or publics or uh, draw upon different types of content and have different concerns the thing that would drive them or maybe i've seen as a bit of a thread is there there's a kind of a deep um concern through the forms of research that are undertaken Mm -hmm. and then also more following that i think a concern for how we could model a critical practice through design and I think they're kind of the two, that kind of, um, yeah, I suppose they're the things that are consistent. Like it's, and even, you know, within the MA program I direct here at LCC, it's, it's really looking at that. It's like, how can we reposition graphic design as a critical tool to, yeah. uh, to deal with the, I don't know, the peculiarities or the current conditions yeah. of contemporary culture, I think. It all kind of sits in that, with that pocket, <laughs> but I think it, it definitely, uh, yeah, it, it walks around that somehow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and you, uh, I love that, and I feel like you've set up everything that I kind of have wanted to, want to talk to you about. Um, so let's start with with teaching a little bit and kind of kind of design of, of, of pedagogy. Where did that come from? How did you even, how did you kind of land in that space or realize that that was something you were interested in? So. After, well, actually, throughout my education, I was asking lots of questions to the way um, the courses were structured and the institutions were organized. And I I suppose I was always asking what if and what else. (laughs) And then um, after I completed my MA, I spent some time away from uh, London. I used to um, dance and I was away on tour and I came back and I realized I needed some money to stay in London (laughs) to continue. And Um, just a really nice thing happened one afternoon with a group of friends who also had finished their studies were trying to find ways to sustain our practices in, in London at that time and we basically gathered a series of jobs that were available and we pooled them and uh, one of the jobs was for a teaching job at the university in um, South End in the UK and it was just given that I would apply for that and it was a very natural choice um, so I began there I got that job and on my first day of that job, I was um, 
I was informed I'd become the course director because <laughs> I had left. So I was like 25 or 26 on so my first nice. day teaching and I was informed I was the course director. So um, I was like, I had two choices. I had to say, well, one, I walk out the door and just like figure out something else to do. Or, or two, actually, it's, maybe this is a great opportunity to kind of be very upfront and honest with the students I would work with about a deep interest in the way we organize our forms of education. And so I stayed there for two years and I worked with an amazing bunch of people. And then um, I became aware of a course at the London College of Communication, which was called Design for Graphic Communication. Uh, just, it's become something else now. Um, with an amazing team and a guy called Darren Raven, uh, who is the director, um, yeah. who has done incredible work in um, exploring and advancing how we can, very simply, how we can work with uh, students or participants to inform them about how they're learning as much as what they're learning. Uh, mm. So when I joined that team, I was so impressed to see Darren and the existing team talking in the studio to graphic design students about you know forms of pedagogy that the, the sessions were designed from and around and why yeah just became very natural and um yeah so i think i was very again i talk about being lucky and these things quite a lot because i feel very fortunate to have, to have met people like that and to see the impact of empowering students to understand that they actually have the agency to identify their own forms of learning and right. that they can different philosophies and that there's not one kind of fixed, uh, determined, right, um, and only, and, and uh, yeah, right role, I suppose. So it's really sitting within that, it just become like, I can't imagine not being concerned with that. After I think you're exposed to it, I think you see, and you feel a responsibility for when you're making these decisions about designing um, educational programs, um, you've got this, it's an amazing honor and it's an amazing responsibility yeah. that you, you, it's really, it's a very exciting ex, uh, experimental and um, yeah, it's base, I guess. So it, yeah, it's, it's a collection of these things. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I, as teaching has become a bigger and bigger part of my practice and is now really the direction that I see my career going. I, I would, I've been adjunct now for three and a half years, almost four years. And, and I'm now at a point where it's like, yeah, I think this is actually the thing that I kind of want to build everything else around and thinking about kind of full-time teaching appointments and that sort of thing. But over the last couple of months, I've been thinking about the, the evolution of my teaching approach and and how I bring myself to the classroom. And I, I realized how kind of like you started teaching fairly young, but felt like I had to have all the answers that I had to be able to kind of tell the students, here's how you do it. And each year, there's less and less of that. And it's more of letting the students lead and find their own way exactly like what you were just talking about. And then also bringing my own interests into the the classroom. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I, I came up in a at a design system where it was very kind of modernist based. Here's how you set up grids. Here's how you do this. This is what good graphic design is. And so I was kind of very self-conscious of bringing my own research and opinions into the classroom as a teacher. And I found the more I can connect 
here's the stuff that I'm working through in my own practice, bringing that to the classroom. It just makes everything much more dynamic. It makes the students much more interested. They start bringing in their, um, their interests. And I feel like acknowledging to the students that I am learning in this process also has completely changed the way I think about my role as a teacher. And so again, I don't know if there's a question there other than hearing you say that is kind of like helping me reflect on something I've been thinking about for the last couple of months about my role. And it seems like that was something that was very natural for you right away. And maybe that was starting young that you're like, we're just kind of all in this together. Yeah, I, I think it's really important to be kind of open about the kind of remit or the scope or the um, ambitions you have for something. And yeah. I think, uh, I think for me, if we're talking about like an academic, an academic situation, I think it's productive to set that out clearly, for, so yeah, that can then become the parameters for people to step into or step out of or fight against or fight for right, um, right. these conditions. And I think. Um, like I've been heavily influenced by many of the people that have worked around me, but also um, on the MA graphic media design course. So mm. for us, we don't we approach the people who choose to do this course as participants, as opposed to this idea of the student and the tutor. Right. Uh, we observe that we kind of reside alongside or work alongside uh, the participants' research and concerns, and we operate as a kind of a critical framework through a critical studio practice. Mm-hmm. Um, to help them advance that in whatever ways that they um, identify and kind of argue and can um, uh, support through kind of clear, informed, progressive yeah. um, research practices. Yeah, so, I love that. How has how has being a teacher, how has being in the classroom now as part of your practice, how has that changed how you think about graphic design or think about your own practice? I think what it does... Um, which is fantastic and exhausting at the same time, <laughs> is that, um, particularly at a postgraduate level. Um, I don't know, I guess across all levels, I think anybody engaged in uh, design education or any form of pedagogy um, who's a deep interest in the subject has to always ask themselves, um, how, can we, how can we draw that line between a kind of a very young and unstable and sometimes not quite legible history to something that's emergent and shifting and more like. and I think yeah. uh, I think that's incredibly exciting and I think I'm really proud um, to have worked with many of the graduates from this young program this MA graphic media design program that have really came to approach their postgraduate studies for their independent research but really also thinking about how that contributes to a kind of further canon of the practice of design. Oh, that's great. And I think, um, yeah, the really, so I think it, it answer your question. I think, how does it inform me? I think it's left me um, kind of relentlessly inquisitive and curious about what might emerge next, but also conscious that um, how can we, um, think about that kind of trajectory where like drawing or drawing a lineage from what's come before or around it. I think, and I sort of find myself, that's the text. And I, I find that complex and I find, I don't um, assume that I have direct and clear answers to that, but I, that, that's what keeps me pivoting. I think each time I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a bit of sense. I'm like, There's, but what about this? And how can we now begin to approach that? So like a, a nice example maybe to mention 
is something we've just launched uh, this term with the uh, MA Graphic Media Design Group. Is uh, it's a workshop series called which we call the Reciprocal Studio. Mm. Um, that is, it's a nice example maybe to talk about this idea of how we can independently and collaboratively yeah. uh, cope with knowledge um, through the practices and procedures of graphic design and research. So. Um, that takes shape as where we invite four guests to run um, four distinct research studios and they depart from a particular team. So last year we uh, explored ideas of media redistribution and leakage. Nice. Uh, guests, and this year we're looking at the conditions of distraction. Oh, I love that. So there's, um, yeah, there's four amazing guests working with us right now. Two just launched this week and two are going to launch next week. Um, there's um, Martha Prince and Benedict um, Wasab, uh, who formulate a duo called Confusion of Tongues. They, um, they're based in Amsterdam and Berlin. Yeah, that sounds really familiar. And they're, they're doing a project that's looking at um, the Frontex archive. So the Frontex are this border control agency. Okay. Who also happen to have a, um, a photographic exhibition for their staff that uh, becomes this um, competition that is presented at a trade fair. So they're working with the participants to examine these, the rhetorics that emerge and when an image that's produced by the technologies of border control by an agency or company like Frontex, mm -hmm. then shift over to this kind of cultural and expressive uh, field of like the photographic image in an exhibition context. So they're, okay. they're we're working towards staging and curating um, a show here on Tuesday, uh, exploring some of these conditions. Oh wow! And yesterday we had, uh, we were really lucky to have Susan Shoupley uh, from the oh yeah, yeah, from the Center for Architectural Research at Goldsmiths. Her practice and image reading, and so yeah, so I think that's something that's just fantastic that you're here. You're you have the opportunity to invite fantastic practitioners to talk about their methodologies, their concerns, their. Um, their interest, but through the practices, it's actually through practice with these mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. researchers and guests. Can can you talk more? And and I think that actually really nicely connects back to what you were saying earlier about your focus on kind of reimagining graphic design. I, I'm going to get your words wrong a little bit, but something about reimagining graphic design as a critical practice or or kind of the role of of research that you were kind of talking about before yeah C can you talk um, more about what that means and how you think about that so yeah the ma graphic media design course um uh, is a development from a previous postgraduate course here at lcc a really successful course run by russell besley uh, called ma graphic design okay um we were invited by the dean at that uh, about four years ago, uh, Lawrence Egan, to think about um, the next stages for this postgraduate uh, program and what the new concerns of this MA might be. And after conducting uh, various forms of research with uh, my colleagues uh, Tony Credland and Vanessa Price, we could see an opportunity uh, for a master's program that really set out to position graphic design as a critical tool to examine the kind of requirements and peculiarities and concerns of a contemporary culture through a research practice. Um, so what that's meant for us is to ask questions as to, you know, what is design research? Yeah. Um, what is uh, 
what does a, re a critical practice to design look like? Um, we asked ourselves questions about the, I suppose, the role of writing at postgraduate level in a subject like, like graphic design. Um, we asked each other lots and lots of questions, and many other people. And we were, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite an undertaking. And I think uh, with that, we said, let's just get this thing off the ground, and we got the support at the school to do so. So across the years, um, we're working with our third group of participants. Um, what's been exciting is to see, um, yeah, like the researchers coming through who have, I suppose, particular questions to their practice, uh, their existing practices, uh, if, if they come as graphic designers. We've got people who uh, joined us from various different fields, like a professor of law. Who oh, nice. Yeah, this amazing lady, um, Amanda. Um, who was concerned that law kind of typically exists as a text-based text discipline and what about the role of the image in that field. Oh, that's um, amazing. And so, like, we've, I suppose, and she's done very interesting things as a professor of law, actually. She's gone on to take on some of the methods that she was introduced to in the MA program to now teach her um, students who are uh, doing <laughs> PhDs in I law. I love that. I love so, that. It's kind of remarkable and bizarre, and I think it needs some working out, but it's a very exciting development, mm -hmm. which we would have never anticipated. But I think, more broadly, I think um, what's exciting for us is to see, maybe with the, th the way that things have been developing, that there's been much more um, sensitive um, read and uh, effect of economic and political and, mm -hmm. and social issues across here in the UK, but also uh, internationally, and to see those things show themselves within the, the critical studio practice um, is very challenging and confronting, and I suppose what we're trying to do is to figure out strategies to design research and how you might begin to address some aspects of that in a way that kind of makes sense to your position as a practitioner and also speaks into the requirements of research, but then also does um, understand how it sits within design practice more broadly. I hope this is this is not a too specific question, but can can you talk about how you work with your students to hit that that intersection of being good research, but also being a part of the graphic design discourse? That kind of intersection there, I find really fascinating. Can you talk more about that? Um, yeah, I suppose it's hard to say this exactly what will happen right, yeah. different times for different people and actually we're seeing it often happens after graduation mm. um, too in many cases but I think to look at it in a really like simplified and peered back um, way things that we'll always just ask the participants to examine are their intentions that might mm -hmm. show itself in a research question or a statement or a particular articulation of that intention, um, thinking about the method by like, you know, what the impact of that method on the way that they might begin to examine those and, or explore those intentions, what insights they might then begin to establish and how they can um, make that visible and translatable yeah. uh, yeah. to others. And then we really spend a lot of time talking about the socialization of the research and as it's been developed. And then also uh, when they find it's come to a point to make public. Yeah. Within, I think within those questions, you, 
you can't avoid this idea of identifying a critical position uh, within the subject and in re reference to the subject, your identity as a design researcher, and then also your contribution to the practices of that graphic design. I think if you really unpack and really ask yourself how you speak to or against those questions, you are triangulating those things that you're finding. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th this is a very probably selfish question because this is something I think about a lot with my own students. And this is more with undergrad students. So, so I'm not sure if this is kind of directly related to, to what we're talking about, but I find a, a tension with certain students who are really interested in bringing their own point of view, their own research into their work. But then they're also, there's always a group of students who are very conscious about making work that is quote unquote portfolio ready that will get them jobs. Mm -hmm. um, I always, I always have a group of students that just, what will get me a job? And I always struggle with the balance of knowing that that is a very real financial concern, but also this is a time for you to do this research. And honestly, you probably won't have this again. Uh, so let's worry about jobs later, but also knowing that that's somewhat irresponsible. Do you have that issue or how do you, does that, do you have advice I, for that type of student? I do. I do. I think the, um, uh, the confronting conversations we've had as a team uh, and with with the prior participants amongst themselves also yeah. and with guests is the fact that a critical practice in and through graphic design isn't that visible and uh, it doesn't often show itself as an economically viable practice. Right. So one of the things that we uh, discuss is that one aspect of your practice is that what that that what you make in response to your research findings, your interpretation, your your contribution to this field, uh, field of knowledge or discussion, whatever this conversation. But the other thing that's um, I think where you can see real like profit and transferability is when you undertake a master's program. Your, well, our master's program at least, we're asking the participants to consider how they designed a design research project. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it calls into question um, that you are then required to understand these ideas of like intention, method, insight. And I think if you can demonstrate that capacity, you also then have the opportunity to kind of lead others to a similar uh, process. So that kind of brings right. you towards opportunities to kind of initiate, to uh, take ownership, to anticipate, to uh, bring others into, uh, guide them through a complex um, undertaking, which is kind of very, very personal in many ways, but it also then it moves from the personal to the disciplinary to the public. So um, I don't know, I think through that conversation, they it does kind of subside those um, uh, yeah, concerns or um, fears that they, leaves them unemployable because it might be when we say critical people often they move right. towards or they move towards um, it doesn't look like graphic design or it doesn't but actually I'd argue that it's in the design of the design research itself that you're going to probably find your next opportunity as much as what it is that you make in response to your Research. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 that makes a lot of sense. I'm like I said, I, I that it was a purely selfish question because my 
my gut, my initial reaction when it, when a student asks me about finding a job is like, don't worry about it. Graphic design can be more than what we always think of as graphic design. But I also think to just discount those questions about jobs and careers is a little bit disingenuous and maybe a disservice. And I've been struggling of how to sympathize and with with that desire with saying, but graphic design can be all this other really interesting stuff. Um, yeah. I think that's a good way to yeah. kind of think about it. Yeah, no, I think as well, um, like an example, like we've been introduced to two graduates from the MA program, uh, Casey Evans and Gabriella. And um, what's interesting with those two in particular is they came to the course as uh, both graphic designers who are working in the field, who are interested in exploring a critical practice to design. Um, and as they've graduated from the MA, they've edited uh, and been part of the launch of a critical reader of design research, a language forms a volume that's, right. that they edited, published and designed with a team. Uh, so then they've, they've built these skills, skills as editors and following that, they've also, or alongside that, they were writing up uh, reviews of events we've had right. here at LCC yeah. where they write for the Design Observer, then I've been commissioned for iMagazine. So they... You know, they know how to author their research, they know how to kind of take those skills and make them into other kind of, use them in other spaces. And I think we're seeing that more and more. I, I think yeah, we see yeah. from this program anyway, basically by examining their kind of, what kind of skills they've been asked to kind of exercise, they can see that they can apply them then in other fields. So a practice becomes much more uh, comprehensive and uh, expansive. How do you encourage how do you encourage students to kind of find their own interests and their own practices while also kind of bringing in your own interests and your own practice into the classroom to not let students, to not, to not show students this is the, I want you to be like me, I want you to have a career like me. How do you kind of encourage students to find their place in that or how 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 do you create a, a framework that allows students to kind of thrive in figuring out what their practice is which in my experience a lot of grad school is that is I have this sense that there's this other way to work I have these interests I don't know how to bring them together how do you kind of set up a place where students can do that yeah, no, no, I think this is really important. And I think it comes down to this idea of feeling a responsibility when you're developing a program that you're not, I, I, for me personally, I don't think I'm in a position and uh, to kind of say, this is the track, this is the right. uh, direction. Um, so the strategies that we've developed is by developing a team that is representative of a range of practices, but at its core, uh, demonstrates um, a clear concern for critical practice through design. So, for example, there's um, Sophie DeMay, who works on the course, who has a practice um, where she runs an independent studio. Uh, she's a design writer. She writes for a tap magazine. She's a curator. Okay. Um, and she's got a big interest in um, the design of design education. So, uh, Sophie also is, she's from France, so she's here studying through a second language. Um, to female nice. designer in the studio. There's uh, lots of amazing things that Sophie brings with her. Alongside her, there's um, uh, Charlotte Maeva Perret, who's also coming from France, but is a 
got a really strong, exciting research-driven practice which uh, shows her exploring again, writing, filmmaking, installation, commissions, um, asking really great questions that the, that the concerns of branding and identity and representation. Mm-hmm. And broader, like, kind of uh, socio-political issues. Um, there's then Ben Brannigan, um, who has a, like a really exciting practice where he's looking at material narratives um, mm. through conditions of place uh, in London and broader, uh, more broadly. I've uh, got Tony Credland, who's uh, got an incredible uh, background in um, editorial and publishing, but is really deeply concerned with design activism and involved with many fascinating initiatives. Um, there's Bryony Quinn, who's a... Oh, and yeah. she's fantastic and she's come into the course and been really formative in thinking about how we might approach writing, design writing as a critical visual practice. Um, Tamar Shafir who comes over from the Netherlands, she runs an amazing yeah. uh, series. So it's, it's about building a team that uh, models these ideas of um, yeah, varieties of practices. But yeah, kind of, that's interesting. You know, the responsibilities of you know, people taking responsibility to what they do and looking at ways of advancing their contributions. Um, that, like then looking at stuff that we do within the course, I think asking the participants to develop alignment forms of volume mm-hmm. um, has been really, really uh, a huge uh, transitional moment for all of them because it's a really, we set it out to ask the question is how do we make design research public? Right. Uh, you're here for just over a year. Um, we make it public through a public exhibition here at the college, but um, what about, you know, you can, we talk about exploring writing as a critical visual practice, what about publishing that? So right. they are, they, they've had to examine with some advising, so some advising from Bryony Quinn, some from Wayne Daly and Claire Lyon from Daily Leon, mm-hmm. for the first time, how they might begin to approach that. And they are the authors of this, projects where they look at strategies for making it public and that draws a bit upon Matthew Stadler's thinking around uh, that move from public to publication right um, right and he became a kind of key uh, influence on the second volume which we launched in December um, I think these things that sit alongside or even outside of the core curriculum let's say yeah uh, establish a kind of a reality and they do something really quite effective where they they kind of push past that institutional frame and they kind of diminish these ideas of like the you know, established designer who's kind of just got it all set up and knew, knows what they're doing or the writer or the theorist or the philosopher whoever but that these are people always kind of trying to develop their own practices um, as well and like where do you sit in, alongside that so that's just one example like the courses like I mentioned are very interested in how we can socialize research and progress as much as research yeah. education or when it's ready to be packaged and uh, digestible. It's interesting when it's messy and right. concrete as well. And um, that's often where I think it's important to have people to step in and give it some um, frame. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, of research and kind of independent practice, what are the things that are on your mind right now? Or what are the things you're thinking about and spending time kind of reading and, and researching? Um. I, as well, when I went to over to conduct the residency at the um, Jan van Eyck Academy about three or four years ago, I uh, went there to explore 
um, a proposed shift in hierarchy between the practices and conditions of reading and watching mm. against the backdrop of kind of new information environments. So what does it mean for us to kind of read across platforms and spaces? Um, and just to it like an explorative and experimental studio practice, I came to, um, yeah, get to unpack that in various ways through kind of website specific installations, through writings and performances. Um, but what's been very interesting is to see that then translate into like applied commissions. Mm. So I feel like even though that was conducting that research in a very open, uh, explorative way in the studio with the great support of the Van Eyck, um, as I'm, I've been approached to infer commissions in the years since, it kind of speaks into that research that I conducted then. So for example, um, the a commission I'm working on right now is... Um, a project uh, with the Victorian Albert Museum, commissioned by uh, Natalie Kane, the curator of digital design, to design the exhibition and a publication for the forensic architecture. Oh, nice! At the at the Milan Design Triennial. Yeah. So the UK Pavilion, and it's presenting a case from forensic architecture that was presented here in London uh, for the London Design Biennial a few months ago. Oh, that's great. Well, it's a very interesting commission because it calls into question these behaviors of reading and watching, of course. And um, the case in particular is looking at a case of genocide for the Yazidi people in northern Iraq and mm. um, how building the case is um, basically identified this is a case of genocide and it's going to be picked up by the human and carried forward. But um, how do you approach exhibiting um, a forensic case? Mm-hmm. Uh, how what does that do in right. a triennial, uh, where there's, it's the UK pavilion alongside many other countries? Um, so it's brought me towards looking at, uh, going back into some of my research, looking at uh, uh, stuff that the independent group were doing at the ICA with the parallels of life. We've been looking at Herbert Byers' work with the right. mobile app. We've been looking at um, what is the material narrative that we could use to talk about the methodologies that forensic architecture use, which are is essentially them exercising composites and stitching, are the materials that can speak to that. So, yeah, so it's a long way of answering your question. Yeah. I find the research I've undertaken, which looks maybe not like design for some time, but maybe is adopting a vernacular of installation and uh, assemblage. Yeah. And really practically is coming back to inform these projects that are kind of fascinating commissions, but incredibly complex. And I feel fortunate I had that time to really unpack some of these questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually really interesting that, you know, things you were researching and thinking about years ago are now manifesting themselves in work for other people. I think that actually kind of connects to a lot of the things we've been talking about Mm. through this conversation. My last question, and this is a question that I used to end all of these interviews is I'm, I'm really curious who are the the writers or the designers or the books that have really influenced how you think about all of this that we've talked about today um people that you kind of find yourself returning to again and again or who have had a big impact on on your thinking uh, oh god there's a lot uh where would i start i think one um book i read about a year ago, I think last summer, um, is Essayism from Brian Dillon. Oh, that's been on uh, my I'm list. Really 
It's fantastic. It's okay. it's a it's a it's a great book where he talks. It's like his biography, but he it's his biography through his experiences of encountering the essay, yeah. and also writing it as an essay. And he draws together an amazing body of reference. But um, I know I'm very interested, uh, along with my colleague Sophie, who I mentioned. Um, we're very interested in how we could explore the what is the role of the visual essay. I want to say. Um, what is the opportunity of the visual essay as a site of critical inquiry in and through yeah. graphic design? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the idea of like his writings on the essay um, are going to inform a series that we'll do again. So I, I return to that quite a bit. I also love that book uh, I read around a similar time, like Confabulations from John Berger. Oh, yeah. Really quite a great um, book. Um, the, in terms of like practices that uh, also like bricks from the kiln, I think I've yeah. been a contributor. I know Matthew. Matthew is also a um, an advisor for Alignment Forms of Volume Two. I think that's doing a really interesting job of bringing us towards yeah. um, questions of what it is to explore the text and image and sound together, but in a very nuanced and sensitive and very um, yeah, generous uh, exercise. I think it's a very exciting project. Um, other things, I don't know, I'd have to say I'm very excited about uh, having this opportunity to bring people like Confusion of Tongues that I've just mentioned, or mm -hmm. there's a practice, um, a duo called uh, the Demystification Committee. Um, it sounds Oliver, familiar. They're uh, doing a lot of work looking at the design of offshore banking. Okay. Uh, uh, it's but modeling it and setting up a practice that is a existing within that site and they're running one of the projects at the minute also and there's fraud who are like a critical duo um okay. like artists that are kind of residents of somerset house but they're doing an incredible research project called eurovision which is examining the uh, impact of technologies on border control oh nice um and then francisco Lorenzo is joining us as well oh nice from modes of criticism. yeah and i think that's a bit yeah i think there's been a contribution to um to what is a critical practice in graphic design mm -hmm. i think he's uh done great with his phd and i think um the work he's continuing with like the shared institute is also uh, very exciting um there's loads i've also enjoyed working with the design displacement group for oh yeah 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 we didn't even have time to talk about them yeah uh, like there's, there's lots um I, yeah, I could, I could, listen, yeah, I could maybe choose some more. I, I, I think that's a great, I thought that was a great list. It, it, it was, it's a good, I always love when, when, when people answer that question with a mix of things that I'm familiar with and then people that I have, I know nothing about and, and you kind of covered both of those. This was so fun for me. Thanks for being on the podcast. No, thank you very much. It's, a, it's a, been very nice to have a chat. It's... This episode was recorded on January 11th, 2019. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening. <laughs>